Welcome to another edition of It's a Football Podcast. I'm Sabah Dean, joined by Tyler Dragon. We're your NFL insiders with USA Today Sports. Tyler, what's going on, man? Uh, preseason game number one happened over the weekend. Preseason two is going to happen uh, as well coming up. Um, exciting football. A lot of winners and losers from the first weekend. How you doing so far, man? So I have to say about NFL preseason, I know they trimmed it from four games to three games. I think they need to trim it some more. I think two <laughs> games should be the maximum that each team should play. Now, I mean, I would even be, you know, a fan of just one preseason game. But I think two games is a happy medium right there. It used to be four. I think they need to trim the preseason a little bit. Let me see if I agree with you or not. So you trimmed it from four to three, which was a godsend because everybody was so upset about that fourth game, right? Like right. none of the players are playing. Nobody, All the starters are resting before the season. Everybody from like 54 on to like 85, 90 people on the roster. It's like all those guys are fighting for jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of guys that we don't know as fans, and you're trying to see if anybody breaks through. And the only time you really know the fans is like if it's like a hard knock show and like you know, somebody's put a highlight on these people or you read a great story about, you know, somebody going on there. But um, I'm just really interested to see how the rest of the season does preseason does play out because we saw week one guys like Trey Lance had a good game. Deshaun Watson had a bad game. Uh, Zach Wilson gets hurt. Jalen Hurts almost had his head ripped off, (laughs) Um, you know, and then like week two, we're probably going to see some guys who didn't play in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Derek Carr, Tua Tagovailoa, some of these guys, they're going to uh, – Josh Allen maybe, um, if they play at all. And we'll see if week three is really like a dress rehearsal, if somebody gonna, is going to get some work, if the series is going to be more than one series or three series or going to the second quarter. I really have no idea why Matt Ryan played until the second quarter in his first preseason game with the Colts, but that's another story there. But uh, it's really interesting to see how these teams are using the preseason to their advantage. And hopefully they're not getting hurt along the way. Yeah, now that, you know, there are, you know, joint practices are popular around the National Football League, I think it's it's safe for the NFL to cut the preseason even more. Now, I get it for the owner's sake. You know, it's all about their bottom line. They want that preseason money coming in with those uh, ticket buyers uh, filling those stadiums. But, you know, for the player's sake, you have uh, week 18 now, an extra football game on the schedule, a real football game. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about like the wear and tear on all the players' bodies. I mean, we just saw Zach Wilson go down uh, with an injury and, you know, other players are in, getting injured as well. We've seen injuries happen with the Cleveland Browns and the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, uh, especially along the offensive line. So, you know, I think for about player safety and also as fans, when you see two, three, and even in the past four preseason games, I think, you know, at for, you know, for a viewer's perspective, the quality isn't that good, especially when you're watching third, fourth string, fifth string, sixth string <laughs> players playing. I mean, Safin, at some point, me and you can get out there and play with the fifth, sixth string. So <laughs> from, from, you know, just a viewership perspective and just, you know, wanting to watch football and then also a player's perspective i do think the preseason should be cut down to about two games i mean look college football doesn't have no preseason right they just start their training the training and then it's week one everybody that's their first game of the year and i think nfl teams could benefit from that just because of the fact that like look you know like some teams week one you're going to go up against a division opponent you got something new that you're trying to use you're not trying to use it in preseason game two game three so that it's on film and people can, you know, game plan for it. At the same time, too, I understand the preseason is really for the players, um, especially those bottom of the roster guys. There's, you know, 53 or 55 guys make it to the roster, right? Um, 90 guys are in, on preseason rosters here. So every team is going to cut about 35 guys. Um, of those 35 guys getting cut, a bunch of them are going to get picked up by another team. Um, or they're going to get workouts throughout the season, or they're going to go into another football league and try to break through there. Um, so for all these guys, it's important for them to get, you know, some clips on film. It may not be great for us to watch as viewers because we don't know who the players are. We just see a good play or a bad play, or we see a player get roast, or we see a, you know, offensive lineman get cooked. But, you know, I understand the purpose for the players. I understand the purpose for the teams. And after all, man, 
if I can, you know, host two preseason games at home, if I'm a team or even if it's just one, you know, it's an extra, you know, stream of revenue for the teams too. So I don't know if we're going to see it cut down to two, Tyler. Uh, we got to three. So let's be happy with three for a little bit. It took a long time to get to three, Tyler. Well, I hope you enjoy watching preseason week two and preseason week three with, you know, the fourth string Miami Dolphins quarterback playing or, you know, the third string uh, left guard. So, I mean, I know, it's right? okay. I get it for the player's perspective sometimes, if, especially if you're at the bottom of the depth chart. But that's what joint practices are good for, too. You, you can really get a good evaluation going up against team and another opponent in joint practices as well. So let's get into some winners and losers from the first preseason game last weekend. And first up, you know, usually we start with the winners here. I understand that's kind of how people are used to things, but I want to start out with the loser here, Tyler. And I think Deshaun Watson, Cleveland Browns quarterback, um, you know, his appeal is kind of still in the in the balance there. We're not sure if he's going to serve a six-game suspension or how many games he's going to ultimately serve or whether the NFL decides to take a settlement and allow him to you know, decide, I guess, how many games he wants to, to miss or not and, and pay a fine. But Deshaun Watson looked like a player who has not played football in two years um, during his preseason game against the Jaguars last weekend. One of five, only completed one pass um, in three series on offense. So a lot of three and outs there, Tyler. Um, there was a rollout play that I saw a replay of, and he's rolling out to his left side. And it's a play that I've seen Watson hit so many times before, and he just airmailed it. Um and that's the thing where preseason is valuable for a player like Deshaun Watson, right? Because the layoff is significant. He hasn't played, you know, all of last season. And pandemic year, he played, but he stopped playing for the Texans at the beginning of 2021. So um, a long layoff for Deshaun Watson. And for him to get back to the player he was on the field, he's going to need to get back on the field. Um, but this, the drop-off has been significant, Tyler. So – I'm not going to call Deshaun Watson a loser on the field because I don't know what people expected. He hadn't played football in a year, and yes, I get it. He was one for five. One of those passes was a blatant drop, um, but you know it's it's natural rust. All athletes go through it, especially if you haven't played football in a year. And you know, I'll compare it to just a normal. Uh, you know, somebody who works, maybe a teacher or a doctor. If you haven't been a teacher for a year and you go in the classroom, you're going to be rusty when you see all these students coming at you. I mean, it's going to be some natural rust. Even a doctor, you hate to admit it, but if a surgeon hasn't performed surgery in a year and he now has to perform uh, Achilles surgery or ACL surgery, he might be a little bit rusty. <laughs> so that's just natural rust and the same thing is for athletes Deshaun Watson definitely looked rusty his timing was off I mean he obviously doesn't have a really good rapport with his receivers with the running backs and that's to be expected and that's why they wanted him out there in the preseason and he played multiple series because I mean the Browns aren't stupid they know that this is the guy he has all the talent in the world in the football field, but he hasn't played in a long time. And whatever, however long his suspension is, whether it's six games, 12 games, a whole year, whenever we see Deshaun Watson play real football in the regular season, he is not going to look like the Deshaun Watson of old for a few games. And it might even take a half a season because that's yeah. just natural rust and you can't expect him to be the Deshaun Watson of old because he has not played football in so long. Tyler, I agree, man. I think even, look, just seeing the glimpse of him in the preseason was bad. If he's going to miss eight, six, eight, 10, 12 games more, uh, you know, this Brown season is a wash for me. It really is a wash for me. Um, I'm not sure Cleveland is going to, you know, kind of have to take the season and take it on the chin and go with it. But um, you know, more to, I, I know I spoke about the on-field part being the loser part, but also the chance that Deshaun Watson heard is, is when he comes back, he's going to be welcome to plenty of, uh, chance of vitriol and, and people just ganging up on him. Um, you know, there was multiple, multiple chants that I don't want to repeat here on the podcast. I'm not sure how Deshaun Watson is going to kind of cope with that, especially after the fact that he had that interview and finally admitted some wrongdoing and apologized to all the women that 
were affected um, by his actions off the field. Um, I'm still not sure how to feel about Deshaun Watson and how he feels about what happened. I'm not sure how to feel about the NFL and the suspension. That's whatever it's going to become of. And I definitely know the Browns are not going to be good this season. So a couple things. Now, with Deshaun Watson, props to him for finally apologizing. Now, it was delayed, uh, but I, I do want to give him credit for apologizing and, you know, saying, you know, what is alleged of him was wrong and he apologizes for the women that he affected. So it was late. I get all the criticism because it took him a while to apologize, but he did apologize. So he deserves some credit for that. Now, another thing is that stuck out to me is he admitted that he is uh, getting counseling. And so I do think that is good um, from him too. And that is, you know, a sign of self-reflection and a sign of growth. And uh, our colleague Jared Bell wrote a nice column about, you know, Deshaun Watson, you know, seeking counseling and getting counseling. And I do think that is going to help him not only off the field, which it will certainly help him, but even on the field, because he's going to hear vitriol and chants for the rest of his career. I mean, let's just put it that this is one of the most high profile situations in NFL history. And he just signed a fully guaranteed $230 million contract. So he's going to heal the, hear things like that for the rest of his career. Yeah, I agree, Tyler. I definitely agree. And I think everybody's kind of ready to move on from the situation, not just, um, you know, people talking about it on the regular and people who are reporting on it. Um, I believe, you know, the people involved in the situation allegedly are also, uh, um, you know, ready to move on. I think Deshaun Watson's ready to move on. Um, and I think at some point, I thought I thought the preseason game, him playing the preseason game, it might have been, you know, bad taste. But also, at some point, Deshaun Watson was going to have to get on the field again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you don't want it to be a situation where he doesn't feel or express remorse. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of did that. He didn't have remorse or kind of maintained his innocence in the times that he did speak. Uh, publicly, but um, Deshaun Watson in this interview, you know, the the ad- admittance of guilt, and I'm not sure if he thinks that finally owning up to it publicly is going to lead to a little bit more leniency in his ultimate suspension and fine that he has to pay. Um, but uh, at some point, all this has got to be over, and I think everybody's ready to kind of move on from the situation. Yeah, and I I do want to say one more thing about the situation because we talk a lot about Deshaun Watson, but we don't talk about, you know, the the victims. And I hope the victims find peace too. And I hope, you know, they get their lives, you know, back in order the way they, they want their lives. And the uh, most important thing in this situation is everybody learns from it and hopefully everybody finds peace, including the victims, because they're affected too. And a lot of times, you know, people forget about, you know, them. I know a lot reached a settlement. And so, you know, they might be viewed like, okay, they, they're, it's over with, but I hope for their sake, they find peace too, and they can move on with their lives as well. Yeah. And I hope the fans that are out there and they really feel like they need to like boast their chest and pound for Deshaun Watson and issue like death threats and, you know, blow up people's social medias and, and, when they see these people in person, they have something to say, like, it's completely unnecessary. Um, you know, I hope those people kind of move on from things and, and don't really see the ugliness that they kind of serve up and and realize the light that they're kind of in and showing themselves in. Um, you know, a lot of people, we, we, don't, we don't need that. We don't need we don't need any of that vitriol as well. A winner on the field, a winner on the field, Tyler. And I think one winner in the preseason is somebody you wrote about here after the first game was Trey Lance, San Francisco 49ers quarterback who started in the preseason, had a good couple throws, including a touchdown against the Packers last week. Uh, Tyler, you wrote a, a story for USA Today Sports on how Trey Lance is, is kind of taking the ropes and taking the reins of this 49ers starting job. How did he look to you, and, and why do you think the job is safe in his hands? So – I don't say this lightly, but it was about as good of a performance as the 49ers could have hoped for from Trey Lance. 
Now, he did have one errant throw. He threw a little high, and it was incomplete. But that was his only incompletion. He was 4 for 5, uh, including a long touchdown pass to uh, Danny Gray, a speedy receiver who's trying to make the 49ers as well. And, you know, I really liked his command of the offense. He had one scramble that was nice. And, you know, he he threw with nice velocity. And so I can – it was evident why the 49ers chose to move forward with – you know, him instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the team. I heard he's still throwing passes off to the side at practice with the 49ers as they actively try to trade him. So that's, you know, an interesting situation as well. But props to Jimmy G for, you know, handling it as a professional and not being disgruntled. But as far as Trey Lance, you know, the talent is there, Um, you know, from my eyes and my perspective, I think he has a way higher ceiling than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he's just a more talented uh, quarterback. And that's arm strength, you know, his ability to uh, scramble. He has dual threat ability. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan's offense, I think you can expand it with Trey Lance at quarterback. Now, there's going to be some growing pains because sometimes his accuracy is still in question. Um, I know he has some, you know, bad practice days overthrew Debo Samuel a couple times, George Kittle as well. But he has the ability to take the 49ers over the top where they could compete with the L.A. Rams for the NFC West because he adds a different element to the 49ers offense. And they won't ask Debo Samuel to be uh, wide back as much anymore because Trey Lance can run the football as well. So. From that small sample size, it told me all I needed to know why the 49ers are moving forward with Trey Lance. From that small sample size, you got the 49ers beating the Rams. No, no, no. I I did not. I did not say that. (laughs) I said that they can can compete better with the Rams. Compete compete better. Yes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And they played the uh, Rams. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Mm Mm-hmm. Reach the NFC title game or reach the NFC title game and they could compete better with Trey Lance. Yes, they can. Then Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Jimmy, uh, you know, I think Trey Lance definitely has the talent and the um, the arm strength. I think him and Zach Wilson do a like really great impersonation of like just like the fade to the left, throw to the right kind of rainbow toss, like deep mm-hmm. 50, 60 yard pass, the sidearm throws. I think. I look at those quarterbacks kind of in the same light. Like, you know, maybe you can give me a little Mahomes if I'm looking for it. Um, he's 22 years old, Tyler. Mm-hmm. You know what year Trey Lance was born in? 2000. Mm-hmm. That'll make you feel old, right? Um, I mean, you, I'm younger than you. So, again. <laughs> By what? How many days, Tyler? How many days are you younger than me, bro? Uh, years. <laughs> but, look, I think um, I want you to pump the brakes a little on Trey Lance. I want to see more on the field. But he's going to get every opportunity here because have you seen everything that's coming out from San Francisco on Jimmy Garoppolo right now? Uh, Peter King had a you know a, a column uh, on on his Good Morning Football Football Morning in America column, excuse me, where he said um, when the 49ers are practicing, uh, Garoppolo is usually inside or on his way home. Mm-hmm. And he, Peter King also reports he's heard that Garoppolo doesn't even have a playbook and doesn't even attend meetings uh, during his time with the 49ers. And you know what, Jimmy G, good for you, man. You know you're getting tossed to the side. Don't even waste your time going there. Um, But also this other report is kind of crazy, too, that I heard about Jimmy G and says that after he signed his big deal with the 49ers in 2018, so there was a five-year, $137.5 million deal, they said that Garoppolo disappeared for weeks, didn't return (laughs) calls, didn't return texts, I'm not sure why we're hearing about this four years later, but I guess it's not the type of news you want to have out in the open where you're signing a quarterback to a five-year deal and he's not, you know, he's ghosting everybody. Then he just shows up and he's, what, taking you to the NFC title game twice in four years? So uh, I can definitely see now, and everything makes more sense of why Jimmy G is getting kicked to the curb here in San Francisco um, and why everybody's kind of willing to, you know, just let him walk. Well, you know, Jimmy was probably spending some of that new money overseas after he signed that deal. Um, but, you know, get about that man see- pocket, Tyler. 
when when I see Jimmy G, now I do think you know he gets a lot of unfair criticism because he did help the 49ers get to the Super Bowl and did help the 49ers get to the NFC Championship game last year. But he's uh, more of a game manager. He needs a lot of really good pieces around him. The 49ers had one of the best offensive lines in football last year and one of the best defensive fronts in football, if not the best in football last year. And mind you, Debo Samuel and George Kittle. So, I mean, that's a whole lot of talent for Jimmy Garoppolo. And now you have a quarterback who can extend plays you know, from the pocket and make plays with his feet. He can throw downfield uh, with accuracy. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't throwing, you know, the deep passes 25, 30 yards downfield. He was more of a, a game manager, and that's why the 49ers, some games, he only had eight completions <laughs> because of the type of quarterback he is. And that's not, you know, a knock on him because Jimmy Garoppolo is better than a whole lot of starting quarterbacks in the National Football League right now. But for the San Francisco 49ers and the way Kyle Shanahan likes to run his offense, Trey Lance is a better fit. Now, he's a little bit raw, and you're going to see that a lot of times in uh, this season. And I, I even saw it in a small sample size, you know, last weekend. But his potential and his ceiling is so much higher than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and apparently he probably texts back to coaches when they when they send a text. Unlike Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> that's probably helps Trey Lance too. Hey, Jimmy um, G was enjoying the lavish life in another country, spending that new money. I ain't get about that man pockets, Tyler. He was busy. <laughs> he was busy. A loser, winner, loser, winner, and we got another loser for you. And man, this is my favorite team to talk about because I love hearing Tyler talk about them. The Dallas Cowboys, man. The Dallas Cowboys are in midseason form during the preseason. Like, can you believe it? The most flag team in 2021 started off the preseason with 17 penalties, Tyler. 17 penalties for 129 yards and a loss to the Denver Broncos on Saturday. Uh, Mike McCarthy and his team not off to a great start if they're continuing what they did last year. Uh, Tyler, I, I'm just going to give you the floor, man. Go, go ahead and take it, take it, take it as you want, as you wish. I can't say I'm surprised. And this is just <laughs> typical Dallas Cowboys. And mm -hmm. the, 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 just the awareness of it all. And they had to end the season last year, they had 14 penalties. That was pretty much why they lost to the 49ers in the playoffs. They had 14 yeah. penalties. And then uh -huh. the very next game, albeit an exhibition game, they had 17. Now, I'm not a, a mathematician over here, but that's 31 penalties in two games, Soffit. 31 penalties. <laughs> hold on, hold on. You're taking the last game of last season of this first preseason yes, game? Yes, yes. putting them together? All yes. right, cool. 31 penalties in two games. And I have to point the finger at Mike McCarthy. Now, I was reading a stat. Since he became the Dallas Cowboys head coach, they've had 266 penalties. That's how many penalties they committed since he's become the Dallas Cowboys head coach. 266. And that is the most in the NFL. So it's coaching. It is 100% coaching. You have to coach your players to execute better, and knowing how to not commit penalties, whether it's holding, offsides, passing, I don't care. <laughs> like, you, you have to have film study, more awareness, and you have to execute better. And the players aren't executing, and they're committing penalties. That's a direct reflection on the coaching staff. And the head coach is a scapegoat because he's the head coach. He oversees it all. So Mike McCarthy, I'm blaming him. And I'm really interested to see what the Cowboys do in this next preseason game. They have joint practices against the LA Chargers this week. How many penalties? I mean, how many penalties, might, Tyler? The Chargers commit a whole lot of penalties, too. So in the preseason game uh, this weekend, there might be a total of uh, 35 40. penalties, 40 penalties between the two teams. 
because the Cowboys, they don't know how to play within the rules of the game. And the Chargers don't either, but the Cowboys are worse. So <laughs> there might be 40 penalties. This might be the longest preseason game that in NFL history. It might be about four and a half hours long. And it won't even go to overtime because every single play there might be a penalty. Because it's oh, the Cowboys. My goodness, the bro. 266 I'm... penalties since he became the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's, That's crazy because the Chargers. That's crazy because the Chargers are your team too, Tyler. No, no, no. You I have no team. I know you love the Chargers. I, I have no team. I'm just speaking it how it is. So, Tyler, here's my thoughts on penalties, right? <clears throat> I think you commit penalties when you just don't give a beep. <laughs> like, if there's like for me, I think it's just that simple. Like, if you care for your profession, you care for what you're doing, you care for the people playing around you, you care for, um, or you like the coach that you're playing for, you like the fact that you have a good standing with upper management, whatever, so be it. If all these things kind of fall in line, I think those are things that were, you know what, you're going to work that much harder to not commit a penalty when you play, right? But when you don't have those things, when you don't have a good relationship with maybe other players on your team, when you don't enjoy the coach or the coaches that you're working for, when you don't enjoy the upper management that you're working for, didn't get a good deal that you didn't like, um, and you don't know where you stand, or you're like, man, I'm still here in Dallas after last year. Man, <laughs> I I don't know. I really like for me though, I think there's 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 a collective thing that happens where the teams that are the most penalized, or excuse me, the least penalized in this league kind of have a better situation or a little better team camaraderie. And when you look at the Cowboys, it all leads with Mike McCarthy. Everybody on the Cowboys is looking to see if Mike McCarthy is going to get fired last year. He didn't get fired. He's back again. Um, Sean Payton, there was a flirtation there. You still don't know if that flirtation is going to happen after the season as well. But the Cowboys are all looking around at each other like, all right, well, like this is our coach again. We're still going to have to deal with this all over again. And it's not even like, Tyler, like there's some penalties I can understand, right? Like, Pass interference, okay, cool. You're trying to go after the ball or you hold somebody, all right, great. Um, you know, holding call, like, I'm okay with holding. Like, it, it gets scrappy in there. You hold on to some. You're looking for leverage, okay. But um, false starts, nah, not not a big fan. Like, offsides, nah, not a big fan. Um, you know, too many men on the field, that's just, like, you're literally not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> like, the coaches, that's, like, from the top bottom, from all the coaches, all the players, like, you don't know your unit. You don't know how many people are supposed to be on the field. Like, there's teams that don't go through this, and there's teams that go through it, like the Cowboys and the Chargers, like you said. So I'm interested to see. It's going to be about 40 penalties, Tyler. I will take that. I'll take the over on 40 for a preseason game. Why not? See, I I, I have a, you know, a, I think I can rectify this situation. Now, if I was Mike McCarthy or any football coach, this this is what I would do. If what would you do? If somebody committed a penalty, the very next practice, I would have the whole team run gassers. Every single penalty, you're running one gasser. That's the length of the football field and back, a uh, hundred yards. And I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call the person out. If it was uh, Tyron Smith, I, I don't care. Uh, Micah Parsons, whoever. He committed this uh, offsides. He committed this uh, holding or face mask. Everybody get on the line, including the guy who committed the penalty. Run this gasser. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah, gasser for work. every penalty. Now, yeah, co- the work, players Tyler. might hate me, but that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the way to build team camaraderie there, Tyler. Yeah. Make them run more, right? Yeah, That'll run more. Like, We're going to be like, in shape. The Dallas Cowboys will be the best. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be the most in shape team in the National Football League. You, you wouldn't even be. They wouldn't even be tired to commit a penalty. Yeah, They'll right. just be in such good shape, right? Uh-huh. They'll be running all day. They will never get tired. Get 17 that, penalties, 17 gases. That, that's just, that just kind of, kind of goes to what I was saying. Like, if you enjoy kind of the situation you're in, you play harder. And if you don't and you have to run gassers after every penalty, you're just like, man, forget all these guys I'm playing with, bro. Nobody cares about me like I'm supposed to care about them. And that's where team chemistry and all these things don't really pan out, you know? I just can't believe that they committed 17 penalties in the <laughs> aftermath of committing 14. And the, that was the reason why they got bounced out of the playoffs. The most, the most, the most penalties all last year. The most penalties all last year. Um, it's coaching. Tyler, it is coaching. It is coaching. 
Tyler, I wanted to talk about another potential loser here, and I know we were messing up the format here, but uh, the New York Jets might be a loser here to start the season. Uh, Zach Wilson, their second-year quarterback, sustained a knee injury. Um, early reports is it could be just a meniscus snip, which would be a two- to four-week recovery, according to reports. Um, but Zach Wilson is also in California now to have surgery, and everything kind of does come to light once the knee is opened. Um, Dr. Neil Atraj? Elatraj. Elatraj, yeah. Dr. Neil. I spoke to Dr. Neil after Cam Akers' uh, Achilles surgery before the Super Bowl. Um, and this is one of the best doctors in sports. Like him and James Andrews, they get all the players yeah. for, for all the orthopedic surgeries. So um, he's going to a renowned doctor, a really good knee doctor. And um, we'll see how Zach Wilson's prognosis comes out, Tyler. But I wrote this column for USA Today Sports upon hearing about this injury. And for me, Zach Wilson's right knee is a red flag now for the Jets because this is his second right knee injury in a matter of about less than a year, I would say about 10 months maybe. Um, this is a meniscus tear. Before that was a PCL sprain that only caused him to miss four games. He was able to return from that. But this is two injuries to the same area of the body and uh, an in an, an area of the body that Zach Wilson never had an injury at. Uh, he played all of his games in college, never had a knee injury, but now he has two in less than a year. Um, I'm kind of concerned about the Jets and their rebuild effort, uh, depending on the news after the surgery, Tyler. Yeah, so good, really good column, by the way. But I, I am not too concerned. One, because Joe Burrow tore his knee up. Same doctor performed the surgery, and we see – how Joe Burrow was able to bounce back and lead the Bengals to the Super Bowl. And Joe Burrow and Zach Wilson. Now, I, I won't say that Zach Wilson is on the level of Joe Burrow, but neither of them are really mobile quarterbacks. Now, they can run a little bit. They can extend plays a little bit, but they don't really rely on their legs to make plays. And he's a pocket passer. So when you have a knee injury and you have, you know, you, I can even go as far as chronic knee pain. It's not going to affect you a whole lot as a quarterback. And I'm not saying Zach Wilson is going to have chronic knee pain. But, you know, his style of play, he can take knee injuries and bounce back from. I, I don't have a concern. Now, I, what I do have a concern is, is his awareness on the football field. Like, he should dive or slide and not take you know, his, and I know it was a non-contact injury, but, you know, he put himself in a situation where he could hurt his knee. Get down and don't, you know, get close to defenders, especially in the preseason, a meaningless football game. I mean, Trey Lance had that same situation and he slid and what got up, was able to fight another down. So Zach Wilson, he needs to learn from this and, Luckily for him and the Jets, they have seen the dodge a major bullet. Uh, all reports out that he won't miss the entire season. But it is a concern for me that he put himself in that type of situation. Now, this is a huge season for him because the Jets, they have built a football team around him. Drafted a receiver, drafted a running back, you know, shored up. The offensive line, yes, they just lost a victim uh, to an injury, but, you know, re-signed another left tackle. So he needs to – this is a huge season for him. This I won't say it's make or break, but he has to learn from his one mistakes, and he has to have better awareness of what is around him and the opportunity that is in front of him. Yeah, the Jets were 4-13 and last year. They haven't made the playoffs in 11 years. Um, this is year two of the rebuild with under Robert Sala, the coach there, who came over from San Fran. Um, you know, Zach Wilson's also entering his second year here, and it's a huge season for him because of all the pieces, like you mentioned. You get Sauce Gardner with the fourth pick, uh, corner from Cincinnati. You get Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State receiver. You sign uh, Brees Hall. Uh, excuse me, you uh, draft Brees Hall in the second round. Um, Lakeland Tomlinson, you shore up your O-line. Dwayne Brown, you got a, another O-line in there. Your O-line's a little bit veteran in, in that sense. Linebacker core is really good. You got C.J. Mosley. You got um, Quan Alexander. Uh, Quinnen Williams, number two pick. Bless you. Thank you. 
You just got to name the whole team. They got a good squad, man. <laughs> they, they actually, on paper, they look a lot better than what they were last year. Better than um, Dolphins. No, no, not at all. Especially if you don't have a quarterback. Never better than the Dolphins, Tyler. You know this. You know this. I just Come wanted on. the fans to see how quick your response to that statement They're better than, Jets, Jets might be better than the Patriots. You're not ready for that conversation, though. <laughs> They're not going to be better than we'll, the Patriots. We'll have plenty of AFC East and so many other conversations here, too. But, um, yeah, definitely, um, you know, kind of concerned about the Jets rebuild here, too. And, in the same game, Tyler, Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, took a hit on the sideline, running out of bounds, was out of bounds. A Jets linebacker comes out of nowhere and just hits him with a late hit. Um, luckily, Jalen Hurts was not hurt past um, the initial impact of the play. Um, the linebacker, uh, you know, obviously overextended himself and was really, really stupid in doing so um, because we don't want to see these quarterbacks get hurt. Nobody wants to get hurt. I understand you're trying to make a roster, but you don't have to go go, you know, take somebody's head off after they're out of bounds. And it wasn't penalized. Um, well, the refs are in midseason form too, huh, Tyler? <laughs> Just a blatant missed call. Like, man, come on, refs. You gotta do better. And not even the refs. The refs are trying to mail in the preseason games too, Tyler. You're right. We should the refs won the two game, two preseason games, right? I told you. I told you two preseason <laughs> games. This is a fix. Not even that, too, man. Preseason games on a Saturday. Like, I want to join my Saturday night. I mean, you know, I got big, big plans. You know, I have you to switch up my days. I got to get ready for, you know, no Saturday night hanging out. Then I'm going to have Sundays. Preseason, I got to give up my Saturday night. Then I have my Sunday, which is great. But it's going to be taken away from me, man. We, we need a change. You're right. We do Stop need it. a change. You're an NFL reporter. You have no days off anymore. Zero anymore. days off. You have no life anymore. Your life is football. Right after the day after the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> right to the day after the Super Bowl. Right. Um, Tyler, let's talk about another quarterback that looked really good in his preseason debut, Tennessee Titans quarterback Malik Willis. Um, so he started in place of Ryan Tannehill, and I think he's going to play behind Ryan Tannehill for as long as the Titans can control that situation. <laughs> uh, but, Tyler, what were your first impressions of Malik Willis uh, the Liberty quarterback who is in Tennessee? My first impression was Malik Willis needs to start ahead of Ryan Tannehill. I have wow. seen enough from Ryan Tannehill. I'm still not over that three-interception performance against the Bengals in the playoffs. I know Malik Willis is raw, a little bit like Trey Lance, has a big arm, a mobile quarterback. I really like that touchdown of run that he had. Did you see him reverse field? Man, that, 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 was, that was electric. I mean, that was reminiscent of Michael Vick. Now, he's not as fast as Michael Vick and not as elusive, but the way he reversed field and, you know, scrambled for a touchdown, I really like that play. I think he was, what, 6'4", 11 for 107 yards. So, you know, it was productive, and he started. You know, He wasn't playing against, you know, fourth, fifth string. He was playing with the, you know, opponents, you know, second string, maybe even some uh, first stringers out there and the Baltimore Ravens. So I did like what I uh, saw from him. But, you know, overall, I think the Titans, they need to think real long and hard about starting him over Ryan Tannehill because you know what you have in Ryan Tannehill. He's an okay player, uh, another game manager who is good at handing the ball off to Derrick Henry, but not much else. <laughs> so you have one of those hotshot young quarterbacks that you drafted. Get get them some time. Get, it's, it's it's a new era. It's time for a new era to begin, Soccer. You know, I always have these conversations. Like these, these, all of these quarterback situations fascinate me, Tyler, because <laughs> there's right answers, there's wrong answers, mm -hmm. there's you know correct ways of thinking. There are probably wrong ways of thinking. Everybody has an opinion over how quarterback situations should play out, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Like, you know, obviously last year, uh, Trey Lance was too young. Jimmy G got them to the NFC title game. Now Trey Lance is getting the keys to the, to the Maserati, right? Mm -hmm. And the Titans, I look at Ryan Tannehill, and they got him to the number one seed in, in, the, in the playoffs last year. Uh, I believe it was like twice in three years that they've, if not had the number one seed, but won their division. Um, Ryan Tannehill turned his career around uh, after seven years in Miami and made it to the playoffs with the Titans. That's very much thanks to Derrick Henry's run, running, and very much thanks to Mike Vrabel's coaching. 
Um, but I'm not sure if the Titans should really change course like this immediately and just um, give it to that rookie. I mean, I think if you pick a certain point in the season for um, Malik Willis to play, I think that could be something. Maybe you go midseason um, and you give him some time to kind of learn behind Ryan Tannehill. I know no, there's no better learning, no matter what any coach tells you uh, and, or you hear in a press conference, there's no better learning than actually playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure if the Titans and the AFC race and all these things going on can really afford to let Malik Willis kind of um, develop on the fly when they have a team that's already playoff ready. I'm, I'm not sure if that's something that they can handle. But you, you say still play him. I say still play him. And it's kind of like the same situation as the 49ers. Now, right now, if I needed to win one game, I might play Jimmy Garoppolo over Trey Lance in a pressure situation. But long term, and if it's week 16, week 17 in the playoffs after Trey Lance has played a full season, Trey Lance by this time next year, head and shoulders better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think the same thing is for Malik Willis. Right now, if I needed to win a game, had to win, I would probably play Ryan Tannehill because of the experience. But Malik Willis is silly as hired. He has a stronger arm. He's more mobile. So I think with him at quarterback, your future is a lot brighter and you have the potential to compete with the teams in the AFC. The Titans aren't beating the Bills with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback in the playoffs. They're not beating the Kansas City Chiefs with Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs. They're not beating the Raiders, the Chargers. I can go down the list. With keep Ryan Tannehill at QB, he can't compete with those upper echelon quarterbacks. And I'm not keep saying on. Malik Willis is an upper echelon quarterback, but he is more dynamic than Ryan Tannehill. I think that there's definitely a long play here. And um, and I think when you have a quarterback like Tyrant Tannehill, the Titans have an advantage here to play the short game as well. Um, but I agree. You're not going to beat the Chiefs. You're not going to beat the Bengals. You may not beat the Raiders. You can't throw with the Chargers. Um, I don't know. You, you're going to battle with the Ravens. Yeah. Um, you're going to lose to the Dolphins. I choked. almost choked on my own joke, Tyler. Oh, almost yeah. choked on my own joke, man. <laughs> But I, I, you know, I, I see where you're coming from. And normally, 10 times out of 10, I really am like, play the rookie, play the rookie, play him because you got him. I don't know, man. I think they might be okay with Ryan Tannehill. I think they might be okay. This is all They're case okay because he's just going to hand it off to Bear Kendrick. And Malik Willis can do the same. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're very much right, actually. Now I, now I actually agree with you. All he got to do is make the same throws Ryan Tannehill can make. Me and you can make them throws. You're right. Make make those five, six-yard throws and hand it off to Derrick Henry 20, 30 times a game. We're good. We're good. Wow. Okay. I turned the corner. We saw what happened when Ryan Tannehill tried to throw the football down the field against Cincinnati Bengals, and he turned it over three times. I was talking to somebody today, Tyler, about this and how the Bengals got lucky. Um, how pe- Somebody believes that the Bengals got lucky because they got past Tannehill, sure, they got past the Raiders. The Raiders was before that, though, right? The Raiders, yes, were before that. So they beat they beat the Raiders. They, they luckily the Raiders didn't score in the red zone. But then after that, the um, you know Ryan Tannehill threw three picks, mm-hmm. and then after that was the Chiefs game, right? Yes. And I'm like, the Bengals didn't get lucky. I mean, sure they got you know maybe you got past the the, the Titans there, but they actually beat the Chiefs. They did what the Bills couldn't. They beat the yeah. Chiefs in overtime, and their defense stopped them too. So. I'm really interested to see how the Bengals come out this season. I know you got the Ravens as your favorite there. Um, but let's talk about one other AFC North team before we get out of here, Tyler. And that's oh, the wait, wait. I do want to mention that you brought up the AFC North and not me. You say it's my favorite division, but you brought them up. That's all I'm going to say. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'm glad you brought that up because I did reverse psychology on you. You see you see what you did there? You, you, you brought the joke out. You brought the bid out for everybody. Um, let's talk about one of your favorite teams in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tyler. And I don't want to talk about Kenny Pickett going 13 for 15 with the third string uh, Steelers offense um, in his first preseason game. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about Mr. Bisky. I don't want to talk about Mason Rudolph. I don't want to talk about any of those guys. I want to talk about George Pickens. 
What's his name right now? I better say his name right unless he comes back. Better say his up. name right. George Pickens, man. This guy has turned into a social media frenzy, man. Uh, the the uh, Steelers rookie receiver. Um, his nickname is NFL Youngboy. And for the young people out there, they know what I'm talking about. But for the older people out here like Tyler, um, he's a bad dude, man. They got him as a bad dude on the field. It was really cool to see him kind of just push over a DB during a run mm-hmm. play. Um, caught a touchdown as well. Uh, the Steelers, man, they're really good at drafting receivers, man. I was going to say the same thing. They're good at drafting receivers that not in the first round either. They find these diamonds in, in the rough. And, man, George Pickens, did you see his uh, shoestring catch in the back of the end zone? Yes, I did. I that did. was one of the plays of the preseason week one. And I believe this guy has offensive rookie of the year potential in Pittsburgh uh, because it's obvious that he's going to get a lot of playing time. He's had a pretty good training camp, but that preseason game, he was showing me potential of X receiver, number one receiver. And yes, the Steelers already have a pretty good receiving corpse, but he has that ability to be a star receiver from what I saw in a small sample size. Still got a long way to go, but he's electric. I think he like I agree with you completely there. I think he's ex receiver number one guy. Um, I think he might be better than Chase Claypool. I think he's gonna. Who's the other uh, receiver for the Steelers who drops everything? Deontay Johnson. Forget. Yes, Deontay Johnson. Yes, Deontay Johnson got the slipperiest hands in the history of the <laughs> NFL. Um, I think I think I think George Pickens could be the number one receiver there in Pittsburgh. I think he's that good. Yes. Um, I think Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, man, even like James Washington at times last year, like last year was Big Ben's last game, and they're like, we got to spike the ball, and these guys are like celebrating their catch, bro. Like they're celebrating a first down when they're down and against the clock. Like I just don't understand the boneheadedness of that, and um, hopefully the Steelers, they turn it around, man. I'm not excited about that quarterback situation at all, but Mike Tomlin not, always does Mike Tomlin things, man. Not not Mitchie T. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Mitchie T. Man, you don't like man. Mitch Trubisky? Don't like Mitch. Don't like Mason Rudolph. Don't. I'm not a big fan of Kenny Pickett. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to a Dwayne Haskins as well, man. Yeah. Really, really sad to see him gone because this is this was his quarterback battle. Well, I do think Kenny Pickett has potential to be a, a pretty good quarterback. I won't call him a star, but I do think he has potential. <laughs> and I do like the aspect, you know, him playing football at, you know, University of Pittsburgh, then him becoming a Steelers quarterback. So for a really good football city, that, you know, that tradition and, you know, a homegrown guy, I do like that aspect of it. And, you know, fans can get excited about that in Pittsburgh. And, you know, I like what the Steelers did. They drafted a quarterback and then they drafted a receiver to pair with them. And it looks like that receiver is going to already pan out. So we'll see what happens with uh, Kenny Pickett. The Bengals did the same thing. Drafted the receiver in the first round and Joe Burrow. And then drafted T. Higgins in the second round. And T. Higgins has turned out to be a 1,000-yard receiver. Joe Burrow, we already know, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And now they have Jamar Chase, who's an all-star. So we'll see what the Pittsburgh Steelers have up their sleeve. But the AFC North, that's... Probably the second best division in football heading into this season. So let's finish up here by talking about some revolutionary uh, equipment that is being brought to the game. The Packers rolled out something called The Seeker by Monarch Sports, which is a company that is empowering athletes by, quote, engineering tomorrow's solutions today. And what this machine does, as uh, one Packers reporter described it, is the jugs machine on steroids. And I think that's a pretty good explanation. There's a video here, and basically what it is is the video watches the film analyzes you know the the data and the physics and everything that goes into the quarterback throws puts that into the system and throws the football like the quarterback that they're going to receive now the monarch sports company says this will save around 10,000 throws a month off of their quarterback Aaron Rodgers arms i'm just curious what do you guys think about this uh the tomorrow today of football. I got three words, doing too much. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, I, again, 
You don't I like applaud. robots in, in the game I, of football, Tyler? I, I applaud the, the whoever, you know, invented this machine is do way you? smarter than me. I mean, for them to do that, it seems like, you know, a, a lot of work and technology was put into this by <clears> very <throat> smart men and women. But this is why players practice. This is why you're an athlete. You go out and throw to your receivers. And the Packers, they they don't have Devontae Adams anymore, so Aaron Rodgers needs to start building rapport with some of them, those receivers that haven't caught a lot of passes, especially Sammy Watkins and, you know, their receiving course. So Aaron Rodgers needs to throw these receivers, and these receivers need to catch the football from a live human being and not a robot. I mean, if, if that person was smart enough, they would have made a, a robot to replicate Devontae Adams. That would have been a smarter move, Tyler. Get another receiver out there. So we don't need another quarterback. I, I do appreciate the 10,000 throws, though. But, I mean, I don't know how this is going to, like, throw punts in the air. Is he going to throw sidearm throws like Patrick Mahomes? Is he going to, you know, throw short passes that, that end up winding up short like some other quarterbacks out there? You like to name, but I won't. Um, you know, we'll see how this goes. But I'm not not a big fan of this robot thing for now. So what are you, you going to have next? Like robot coaches, you're going to this robot is going to watch game film <laughs> and decide. I mean, what game plan the, is going to be best suited against this team? Tyler, like, it might work. It might it might work really well for the Cowboys. Work. It might work for the Cowboys. <laughs> they gonna have some less penalties if they got a robot coach. Hey, hey, it might it might work for the Cowboys. The the Cowboys might need uh, robot players to commit less penalties. Maybe we get robot players. And why Why even play football? Everybody could just be robots. It could be like the Monstars in Space Jam. Oh, love that movie. Great, great movie. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another show. Um, if you haven't already, please download the USA Today Sports app in your Apple Store and in your Google Play. Preseason's underway. Season's right around the corner. We want you guys to fan harder with USA Today Sports. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder. Show.